Hey, welcome to The Hot Wash with my hosts, Al Altizo and Jeff Falkel. How are you guys tonight? Doing great, Good CJ. Fine. Up there, Alex, you should I think I had you muted there. I'm sorry. Alex, how are you? Hey, how are you? So uh, I'm going to, uh, first and foremost, Thanks for tuning in tonight. You're tuned in to a live episode of the Hot Wash. Um, I say every week that we have an amazing show, and uh, I didn't think we could top it with uh, we had a few weeks ago, but uh, I think tonight is definitely going to be the creme de la creme. Uh, it's one of the probably most exciting interviews that I think I'll be involved with, and I'm going to turn the mic over to uh, Jeff and let Jeff do the introductions tonight because uh, these are definitely some very special guests. Uh, close friends of his, and we're on them, and and Jeff made this all possible. So, Jeff, I want to uh, default to you, brother. Well, thanks, brother. Well, it is uh, one of the great honors of my life to call these two men, these two warriors, these two heroes that we're going to be talking with for the next uh, hour or so, um, my, you know, dear personal friends. Um, yeah, it's Command Sergeant Major Joe Anello, who we had on uh, on the show a couple of weeks ago, and uh he was uh, he served in Korea with a a young man who uh, was awarded the Medal of Honor for for his amazing valor uh, in April of uh, 1952 53 I can't 52 51 51 51 that's right so um, without further ado I want to introduce uh, Hershey and 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 uh, Command Sergeant Major Anello um, thank you both for being on the show with us tonight and. Uh, our our first question we always ask uh, Hershey is uh, just tell us tell us who you are tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, my name is uh, actually Hiroshi Miyamura. Hershey is a nickname that was given to me by a sixth grade school teacher who could not pronounce Hiroshi, so that name Hershey stuck with me all through the years, and I'm still known by that in Gal today. I was born uh, one of uh, seven children to my parents that came from Japan, and they finally settled in uh, Gallup, New Mexico, and that's where we were all born and went to all the public schools there, graduated from there. Uh, 
And then tell us a little bit about your military career. Well, um, I, it's a long story, but to uh, make That's okay. Short, We've got a long time. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, when, when World War I broke out, we uh, people of Japanese ancestry were classified as 4C enemy aliens because our company country did not know anything about us. We were a minority of the minority. There was only approximately 300,000 of, of us during that time. And uh, so I finally got my draft notice in um, January 13, 1944, reported to uh, Camp Landing, Florida, took 17 weeks of basic training, and when I completed the 17 weeks, all two companies of us were sent to Camp Shelvin, Mississippi, and there they had formed a regimental combat team, and they called it the 442nd, and uh, we were assigned to various companies of the regiment because they were getting ready to go overseas. And when we did all board the train, seven of us were called off and said we would not be going with the unit because we were 18 and you had to be 19 before you could go overseas. So mm-hmm. they left us behind, reassigned us to another unit that was in, into training. And I was put into the doll company of the 100th Battalion and um, had to undergo 13 weeks of heavy weapons training. And that's where I got my military service number. It's called the heavy machine gun. And uh, when we completed the training, we were given a furlough and then sent to Fort Meade, Maryland. And we were told to undergo some training there Shortly after, we were given a full field inspection to see if we had all our necessary equipment. And then we had to undergo a physical. And during the physical, a colonel that was examining me asked me if I knew I had a hernia. And I said, no, sir, I did not. Does it bother you? No, sir. Well, you report back to Camp Shelby, Mississippi, and to the hospital, and they'll fix you up. And that's what I had to do. I had to leave the unit again. I had to go back to Mississippi, report to the hospital. They fixed, operated on me. And by the time I uh, was through with their operation and convalescent, I was told to join this outfit that just finished basic training. So we boarded the train again, went to Fort Meade again, this time, we boarded the ship at Norfolk, Virginia, five days before we landed in Naples, Italy. We were we heard over the ship's loudspeaker that the war in Europe was over. So we were told that we had to uh, join the unit and we were to undergo training for the Pacific Theater. Before we really got into the training, the war in the Pacific Theater ended. So we were told we're to guard German prisoners of war and all military installations. 
And that's what we did for the time we served in Italy. And then mm-hmm. we eventually came home with the regimental colors. Uh, we were told to march in review for President Truman, which we did. And he gave the unit another presidential citation. And then we were discharged right there in Fort Meade, Maryland. And uh, during that period, a lot of us that did not see combat joined up, enlisted for three years in the Army Reserve. And uh, we were discharged and sent home. Well, I eventually got married to my wife, Terry, in June of 48. And in 49, an officer came by and asked if I would like to re-enlist another, for another three years. And I did, but I didn't tell the wife I had signed. And then in June of 1950, the That's right. North Korean... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, I was just going to say the timeline, it was, a fi- it was five years after World War II had ended before, uh, before communist Soviet Union and uh, China encouraged North Korea to invade anti-communist South Korea. So, yeah, I was just taking the listeners to uh, to the timeline. Well, that's Go ahead, Hershey. Was... Sorry about that. Hello? What am I supposed to repeat? Oh, no, no, no. no. I just continue. Sorry about that. Because you said that you'd re-enlisted in 1949. And so oh, when June 25th, I, I... 1950 came around... That's when the North Korean Communist Army invaded South Korea, and I got my notice to report back to service in August, the month of August, 1950. And I was told report to Fort Hood, Texas, to undergo nine weeks of uh, refresher course training, which I did. And then from there, we flown to Japan and who uh, eventually ended up on the island of Kyushu, Japan. And there I was told to report to Company H, 2nd Battalion, 7th Regiment of the 3rd Division, which I did. And that is when I first met my friend Joe Anello. He was the uh, squad leader of the 1st Squad in the uh, machine gun platoon and I was assigned as a gunner on the second squad of the first platoon and we became very good friends and we were told that uh, I asked why we were so short of men and they said we will be training our replacements so it's up to you to teach them how to load a weapon and fire because they know nothing about the army, a military at all. They're draftees all right off the street. So when they arrived, we had our hands so we we couldn't really communicate as far as talking. It was all sign language. We only had a month to train them. Eventually, we did board the ship. And we landed in North Korea, 
the seaport of one song. Mm-hmm. And from there, we engaged the enemy all the way up to the Yellow River. And uh, it's when we saw the Chinese, uh, the enemy lined up on the north shore of the frozen Yellow River. The Yellow River was the boundary between North Korea and Mongolia, China. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Eventually, they did start crossing the river, frozen river. So we were given the orders to withdraw and regroup on the only highway that led south. And we were told that we were going to evacuate North Korea. So we all had to make our way down to Hungnam, which we eventually did, and boarded ships that were waiting in the dock. And when we were all loaded, including 100,000 North Korean civilians, we sailed for Pusan, the southernmost seaport of South Korea. And there we disembarked immediately. We told to get any weapons you need, ammunition, the clothing. And as soon as you do get aboard the trucks, we're going to head north again. And that's exactly what we did. And we engaged the enemy along the way up until we got to Seoul, which was the capital of South Korea. And from then on, it was just a seesaw back mm-hmm. and forth. And eventually, we were at a stalemate, and we were told that the Chinese Communist Army is getting ready for a spring offensive. So mm-hmm. we start withdrawing across the Imjin River and told to set up our guns at certain positions. And on the night of uh, April 24th, 1921, about 51, that uh, they hit our position, my position. And uh, they let us know they were there by blowing bugles, whistles. They were beating on pots and pans, sound like, and shooting up flares. So I guess it was around midnight when they finally started their push towards our position. After fighting for so many hours, I gave the order for my men to withdraw but because I had become a squadron leader by that time, and I gave them the order to withdraw. I was not given the orders to hold the position at all costs. Uh, so I had to make the decision, and I said that I didn't want to see him get all my men all killed. So they uh, withdrew back to the company headquarters, and I stayed and covered the withdrawal until our own mortar section started dropping white bombs on my position, and that told me that uh, he thought everyone was off the hill. So I made my way down and uh, eventually ran into the enemy along the way, got injured. And then, then on the road, down on the bottom of the hill, they had our troops had sprung up while 
barbed wire across the highway. And uh, what caught my attention, though, was a tank that started up his engine, and I was trying to wave him to let him know I was a friendly soldier. And uh, it apparently he did not see me, so he, they just took off, and I crawled underneath the wire and ran about 50 yards or so, and I just passed out. Didn't hear anything until I checked a lot of troops go by me, but no one stopped to see if I was alive. But when the troops had all gone by, I heard a voice in English say, get up, you're my prisoner. Follow me. And he led me to an area where my friend Joe Nello's squad, his men were all shot up and he lost one. And Joe himself was very seriously injured. But we were told we were to follow their troops. And as they gathered prisoners, we would uh, eventually head towards a camp where to spend the rest of our time there. But during that two-week period, they did not feed us. They did not give us any medical attention. So finally, at the end of two weeks, they gave us each a sack of two and a half inches in diameter and approximately two feet in length, filled with a fine powder. And we were told that to last us a week. And what you do is you put some in your hand, you gulp it down, and take some water with you. And then when it hits your stomach, it swells up and makes you feel full. But that was easier said than done because we had no water. We had to scrounge around looking for water on our march. And that's why many of us eventually got dysentery. But the sad part of it was so many young men that were only 16 they had the chance to go home before we engaged the enemy, but they chose to stay. And those young men refused to eat the food that was given to them. And I, being one of the older ones in the group, told them, if you don't eat it, you're not going to make, you're not going to survive. We lost a lot of those young men on our march because it took us over a month to get to where our final destination was. And it wasn't much of a, it was just a a village that they had taken over. And we lived in the homes that the people used to live in. And they put nine of us into each room. And that's where we spent our time. And um, condition never really improved. We never got any more medical attention except one shot that was called a cholera shot. And uh, it uh, apparently they used a square needle because all of us carried that scar for all the time we we were in that camp. And what saved us really 
that they became, the enemy became a peace talks, and that's when our conditions start improving. And as the talks improved, our conditions improved. Well, that was after the first year. And then uh, the second year got a little better, but the third, into the third year, then they start really getting serious, and they said they finally reached an agreement where they would exchange prisoners. And when you hear your name, we would assemble every week in a area, and when you hear your name called, you will be going home within that week. And finally got down to our the last group, and that was us, 25 of us, and we got called. And we were sent down to Pam and John where we were to cross over to the American line. And that's when I saw the Star Spangled Banner flying, fluttering in the breeze, and that was the most beautiful sight. So I knew we were home then. But we've heard that we were going home for so long that there wasn't a sound made when we finally did cross over. Immediately, they gave us, uh, deloused us and gave us a shower and a new set of pajamas and a robe and told to lie down on the cot. And when I was lying down, a fellow sergeant came up to me and said, there's a young man from... The state, home state, wants to talk to you. I said, what about? He said, no, I don't know, just follow me. So I, he led me into another tended area and standing at a table on the other end of the building was a general, and it was uh, Brigadier General Osborne of the 3rd Division, my division, and I was to report to him. I went up to him and he asked, do you know why you're here? I said, no, sir. I said, he said, he told me for the night, April 24th, 1951, you received the Medal of Honor. And all I remember, all I could say is what? <laughs> I didn't feel I deserved a Medal of Honor for what I did. But... He asked me to kind of relate the story, but he told me he kept it a secret from everyone because we were afraid of retaliation from the enemy if they should find out. So I finally got the word that I was a POW and uh, that I was doing all right. And then all... October, I was in September, I was uh, separated from the service and uh, got a letter from the White House telling me to report to the White House on the day of October 27th, 1953, um, to receive the Medal of Honor from the president, which is at that time President Eisenhower. And I was very shocked because being in the European theater war, he was known as the supreme commander, you know, the general that every 
other generals respected and to receive the medal from him was such a high honor. So I eventually went to Washington and received them from the person. Seven of us were at the ceremonies to receive the medal. I was told to be the first one to go up there, and I was so nervous. I didn't know what was really happening. But I remember him asking me, are you nervous? And I said, yes, sir. He said, I am too. This first one I'm going to present at the White House. So it didn't make me feel any better at all because I still didn't know what happened to the rest of those ceremonies. But we were given a week, and I was given a car and a chauffeur, and we were told we could go anywhere, do anything we wanted for that week, and the car was at our disposal. So that's about uh, all to my story there. Well, you know that's well, more... Sorry, go ahead. I just wanted to throw a plug in there. Uh, for those of you who have just tuned in, um, you're listening to a live episode of The Hot Wash. Uh, we're definitely honored to have on the show tonight um, one of America's, not just one, but two of America's great heroes. Um, we have two prisoner of war from the Korean War conflict, um, Mr. Hiroshi Hershey Mayamura, who is a recipient of the Medal of Honor, and we have his best friend, who is also a fellow prisoner of war from the Korean War, Command Sergeant Major Retired Joe Anello. Uh, listening to tonight, if you'd like to call in and speak to either one of these amazing heroes and ask them any questions, please call in. The number is 563-999-3015. That's 563-999-3015. Uh, Alex, Jeff, I'll, I'll head back to you, let you guys take it off. Yeah, I was going to say, so, this means so, a lot to me because... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 you're up. Um, well, I was going to say, I mean, I'm an honorary member of the Kimchi Bunch. Uh, that's what Joanello's uh, wife, Joanne, had uh, dubbed us. And uh, the confrontation was about democracy versus communism, and it was uh, their first war um, that involved nuclear weapons. I don't think anybody really understands the magnitude of that. And over 35,000 Americans died in the Korean War. So if not for the U.S., myself, who was born August 9, 1976, in Seoul, South Korea, to a U.S. military family, would not know those type of freedoms afforded by Hershey and Joe Anello and other friends of ours. Jeff, what did you need to say? That's for sure. Well, I was going to say uh, we haven't heard much from uh, the Sergeant Major. So, um, so Joe, just kind of give us a little bit about how you found out, uh, you know, you, you know, talk a little bit about your time in captivity, but uh, we, we spent okay. a bit of time, quite a bit of time last time. So just kind of tell us how you found out that Hershey was, uh, um, was back and that, uh, that he had been awarded the Medal of Honor. Okay. First, I'd like to say one thing to Jeff. Uh, Hershey left out a very important part of the time that we were uh, captured. Uh, I couldn't walk, and Hershey carried me for about 10 miles. And we were slowing up to call him. We were slowing up to call him, and the Chinese told him to put me at the side of the road. At first, Hershey refused, 
and the Chinese threatened to shoot him. So I told Hershey, you know, please put me down. I didn't want Hershey getting shot over me. But I thanked him very much for all of his efforts, and I appreciated what he did. Uh, getting back to your question about how I found out that Hershey was still alive, I, I had been monitoring the uh, reparation reports, and I didn't see Hershey's name on it. I was in Fort Riley, Kansas at the time, and uh, I happened to pick up a Newsweek magazine, and it was a picture of a scrawny-looking guy in in, uh, in pajamas, hospital pajamas, and I looked real close, and it was Hershey. And that's the, uh, the time that uh, General Osborne was telling him that he had been awarded the Medal of Honor. Uh, this was in uh, in October, and I was scheduled to go to language school in California, so in November, I jumped in my car, and I headed out to Gallup, New Mexico, and I found out where Hershey was working at the time. And I walked in, and Hershey looked at me, turned white as a sheet. He said, my God, you're not dead. I said, you're dead. I said, no, no, I'm not dead, Hershey. I'm, I'm alive. And uh, we, we've been doing things together ever since there. The luckiest day of my life was when the day that Hershey walked into that tent in, uh, in uh, Mount Jumanji, in Kyushu, Japan. Uh, he's been my friend ever since. He saved my life, and I'm internally grateful for that. Thank you, Hershey. I think... Uh, Is Hershey still there? It's... Sergeant Major Anello probably cut his microphone so he couldn't say anything. He wanted to have the last <laughs> word. Because <laughs> he is the good oh, well, he is the really, really good-looking one. So, yeah. While we're waiting, I'd like to mention one other thing, if I may, if we have time. Uh, while we're up Absolutely. in North Korea, while we're up in North Korea, uh, just about the time the Chinese came in, we were by a, a little town called Huxuri, a really an insignificant place. It's, you won't even find it on the map. But the uh, Marines got hit hard, and the 31st Regiment of the Army 7th Division got hit hard also. And they were retreating from the reservoir. And about that time, I believe the numerical designation was the 60th and the 64th Chinese divisions were coming down from the uh, the, uh, the uh, northwest. And they were going to cut off the retreat of the Marines, and they ran right into the 3rd Division. They didn't know we were there at the time. That was it, around that little town called Huxuri. Well, we prevented mm-hmm. them from cutting off the Marines' uh, retreat. And after the Marines went on further down down the road, we provided rear guard action all the way down to Hamnung, the beachhead. Uh, the Marines got on ships on the 12th of December, and Hershey uh, squad and my squad with a reinforced rifle uh, platoon of about 140 men, we were the last people off that beachhead on Christmas Eve, 1950. So that uh, Hershey, Hershey left that out. And I just wanted to bring up that part particularly about uh, him carrying me. Thank you. Hershey's still there? Well, I think. Yes. Okay, there you are. Uh, now that we have you on the air too, uh, Hershey, I, I definitely want to get into this debate um, because I just received a, a, a text message or a private message um, to ask me to ask about who the best-looking POW war 
Survivor is. And don't be biased because you guys are best friends. Hands down, it was Joe and Ella. <laughs> you heard it first well, on the hot wash. It's Joe and Nello. <laughs> you know, we, we, uh, I, I tell a joke when I'm giving a, a talk to a, particularly a Japanese-American audience. I tell them about the time that I met Hershey for the first time. I said this young Japanese-American walked into the tent, uh, looked at him, I said, boy, am I going to have a problem with this guy. And, of course, all the Japanese-Americans were looking at me. Hey, what's he up to now? I said, you know, until Hershey came in that tent, I was the best-looking guy in the company. So, <laughs> yeah. But now we have a book out that was written by a, a, a Judge uh, Okamoto, a Superior Court judge in Los Angeles. And uh, every time we sign books, I remind the people that I'm the good-looking guy on the cover. And <laughs> we, just came back, we just came back from Texas a couple of weeks ago signing books. And uh, I told that to one of the ladies uh, who was buying one of the books. And I said, don't forget, I'm the good-looking guy on the cover. And she said, Joe, would you mind putting that on your endorsement in the book? So I did. I said, I'm the good-looking guy on the cover. <laughs> anyway, we got that problem resolved. <laughs> so could you actually tell us about Forged in Fire, the saga of Hershey and Joe? Uh, yeah, Hershey, you want to take that up? Well, uh, like you said, uh, Judge uh, Okamoto was the one that uh, wrote the book. He was a uh, lawyer in the uh, Vietnam War, received the Distinguished Service Cross for his actions. And uh, reading his citation, I thought he should have received the Medal of Honor for that Mm -hmm. action. And we've been trying to get his a citation upgraded to the Medal of Honor, and that was three years ago, and we still haven't had any luck on that. But um, he is the, the judge was really interested in you know, hearing my story and all, and so he said, "I want to write a book about you," and uh, mm-hmm. I didn't argue with him because I did thought he was just kidding, but he actually did write a book about. It. That's how it came about. Yeah. Well, another part of that, too, Hershey, he tried to get us to write the book for a long time, and we kept telling him, yeah, "Yeah, sure, we'll do it one of these days. And he got tired of us. He got tired of us uh, telling him that we would write it. So he said, I know enough (laughs) about you guys. I'll write the darn book, (laughs) which he did. Well, the saga continues between Hershey and Joe, but uh, why did he pick the uh, title Forged in Fire? Was that significant uh, to you? Yes, it is. Uh, it, uh, it it has to do with our friendship. Our friendship was forged in fire. In other words, under combat mm-hmm. conditions. Uh, but and it's it's essentially the story of a of a, a young fellow from the East Coast, an Italian American and a Japanese American from uh, Gallup, New Mexico, and how the the two of us met and how we became very close friends. That's essentially what the book is really all about. Well, it's it's one of my it's one of the my favorite books. I I don't read a whole lot um, with my eyesight, but uh, I've read that book four or five times because uh, every time I every time I do, I I learn something else, and and it just kind of makes me smile a little more just because I know uh, 
I know you two uh, amazing men so very well. So mm-hmm. it's a, it's a great read. I, I recommend that uh, you know our listeners get to pick up a copy. Hershey, I want to back up to something that you said uh, that that just just having the opportunity to, to talk to you on the radio. And, uh, to be in your presence uh, is very humbling, you and Sergeant Major Anello together. Um, you made a statement uh, that this, when you were talking about coming back when you were released um, that makes the pride swell up in my chest even more. And to hear it coming from you um, makes it even more special is you talked about seeing the Star Spangled Banner. And that being the, the first sight that you saw once you were uh, repatriated or once you were liberated, um, and I don't think that anyone, um, uh, American fighting men and women, they have a respect for our colors. Um, but anyone who's ever had those colors deprived of them and been through the atrocities that you great heroes have been in they can't fully appreciate what seeing the stars and stripes and seeing that star spangled banner really means. And, you know, that just hearing you say that is such a testament to the faith and to the true honor that you and, and Sergeant Major Anello had the entire time that you were held captive and, and to come back with that dignity and that honor. Uh, it's, it's so amazing to hear someone say that. And I just want to say thank you. Well, I would also like to add that uh, most, I would say 90% or better military people look at the flag as a symbol of this country and they're willing to fight for it. And I understand why our congressmen can pass amendments to disagree respect to the flag reverse that absolutely you know it's it's uh i mean we those of us who have served and and unfortunately my son came home under one of them yes you know i've said many times and and it's very it, it gets jeff it gets me when I think about brothers and sisters, when you think about your brothers, Hershey and, and Sergeant Major, that, that have come home under those colors. And just like you said, to those words from a man of your stature who's sacrificed so much for our freedom to say that our congressmen need to protect those colors and they need to make them the sacred piece of material that they were in the past. That needs to go back to that. Because just like Jeff just said, our most precious commodity that the United States of America has is our fighting men and women. Those are our most precious resource, our sons and our daughters. And when they sacrifice their life for our freedom, they come home under those colors. And those colors embody everything that we have stood for since the inception of the United States of America. Those colors need to be protected and defended against those who can't appreciate it and won't appreciate it because they do mean something to us. And I agree 100% Hershey. I think that 
that needs to be screamed, screamed from the rooftop of the Capitol. Um, mm -hmm. If I could add something here, in uh, 2001, I believe, uh, Hershey appeared before mm -hmm. Congress and testified on behalf of making it a law to desecrate the American flag, but uh, it didn't go anywhere. Maybe well, we, we need to go back. That. Yeah, we should definitely. We need to go back. That. Another so uh, another great. Go ahead, Alex. Uh, no, go ahead. I'll let you finish. Another great American Medal of Honor recipient from uh, the first one from Vietnam that we will hopefully have on the show in the near future. Roger Donlan um, told me something one time that, and I and Hershey and I have talked about this in the past that. Uh, there's two groups of people that you don't mess around with medal of honor recipients and gold star parents, because you know, you just don't. And I, and I think uh, it's something that we need to, uh, we need to re reinstitute this, uh, this campaign because it's, you know, the, the time is, the time is now. I, I was, I was asked to meet with a bunch of high school basketball players in, in Colorado who, when this whole thing was, with the clown from uh, the San Francisco Kaepernick. 49ers refused to stand mm -hmm. Kaepernick. Yeah. Refused to yeah. stand for the, for the national anthem. Um, they, you know, this, they had asked me to come and talk to these gentlemen and uh, these young, these young high school athletes. And I told them I would love to, but you know, I was going to bring uh, something with me. And what I was going to bring was the flag that, that covered Chris's ca casket. And I wanted them to see it. I wanted them to see what this meant. And, uh, Literally ten minutes before I was supposed to leave my house to drive down to the high school, I got a call from the uh, coordinator saying that the the coach didn't want to upset the team and he didn't want to upset the parents, um, and so that uh, you know they thanked me for uh, for the offer, but but they didn't want me to come talk to the athletes, and that just you know that <laughs> didn't sit real well with me as you all can imagine. Yeah. That's sad. It's really sad. Yeah. By the way, I'd like to mention, I'll, I'll let Hershey take it up there, but we lost another Medal of Honor recipient today. Uh, Hershey, yes. you want to tell them about it? Right, Leo. Hershey, you there? Yeah. Hershey, would you tell them about the Medal of Honor recipient that we lost today? Sorry, Major, we're not here in Hershey. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not hearing him. I'm not hearing him either. The whole one. Hershey. Yes, they're not hearing you, Hershey. Is it my phone? I don't know if it's my phone. <laughs> oh, oh, my God, I love him. <laughs> Have you got him now? I got you, Sergeant Major. Okay, let me let me give Hershey my phone, okay? Okay. Hello? Can you hear me now? Yeah. There we go, Alicia. 
Well, I was uh, told by uh, a friend that the a fellow recipient that uh, we lost another member of our society, and and uh, I hated to hear that he he was sick, but we saw him and his wife in Minneapolis during our last convention, and he looked very good. So I thought he was on the road to recovery. And to hear of his passing was really bad. But he was a prisoner of war in the Vietnam War, and he was held captive for seven years. And his uh, close comrade at that time was, uh, I think it was uh, Mr. Day. And I don't know if uh, some other well-known person, but... uh, Anyway, his name is Leo Thorson. He was a uh, former president of our society, and uh, he was such a great guy, and we're going to miss him very much. Yeah. Definitely. uh, I had the the unique honor uh, and, and pleasure to work for the, the the Medal of Honor Society reunion when it came to Louisville, uh, Mr. Hershey. And uh, I met Leo during that convention. And uh, he was definitely um, in vinegar. Uh, I remember Leo um, during the opening show that night. I don't know if you remember this, but he came down from the top of the arena on a wire wearing a Superman con- costume. Um, and he had just had his hip replaced, um, I don't know, weeks before that. But uh, he definitely uh, was all about making that grand appearance that night uh, for the, the Medal of Honor show that was going on there in the, the KFC Yum Center. When we were at rehearsal, Leo was there doing his rehearsals. And I, I watched this, you know, feisty little man come out in this Superman costume. And... Uh, they start rigging him up, and I'm like, "Oh my God, what is about to happen here?" And I, you know, I had they had introduced me to him because I presented the colors um, that evening. We were there pr- conducting practice for uh, presentation of the colors, and uh, I watched him hoist him up into the top of the Yum Center and watched him slide down, mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. of satisfaction on his face when he did that um, was just worth a million million dollars seeing someone. Yeah who was able to fly again, uh, for a lack of better terms. Uh, it, it was just a, an amazing opportunity and getting the, the opportunity to, to meet each and every one of the, uh, metal recipients that I did get to meet there in Louisville was awesome. And that's, that's a memory I'll never forget of Leo, um, in his Superman well, costume. For sure. Yes. I remember that. And no, he, he was a good man. And, and just, just so sad to have to lose him. I agree with Hershey. Uh, he looks so good up in uh, in Minnesota. I, I, I thought yeah. he was well on a recovery. Yeah, it's too bad. Sorry for the community's loss. Ma'am? I said, I'm sorry for the community's loss. Now I'm having problem hearing you. 
Yeah, uh, the, sometimes uh, we have a little audio problems here and there. Um, there's many of uh, Medal of Honor recipients who say uh, when they take the medal, they say, "This is uh, I'm taking this medal and I, I wear this with a heavy heart um, because um, not because of what I've done in, in my uh, moment, but all the men and, yes. uh, and the people who could not be there with you today. Yes. Are there are there people that you and Joe would like to mention that aren't here with us today that that you think of still? No, definitely. Go ahead, Hershey, please. I I just have to say that we were our medal so humbly because. We know that there are so many that have not received any kind of recognition that they deserve simply because no, there was no one there to witness what he had done. And that's the men that we were this middle for because they should also be wearing the medal but never received that recognition. And there's so I many things that go undone every day of our lives, and people never get recognized for their heroism. But uh, I believe that one day they will be rewarded one way or another. Hopefully. I hope that they will. One of the things that I'd like to touch on uh, while we're talking about this and and reflecting, you know, reflecting on the loss of, of Leo. Yeah, Leo. Um, yeah. Just bring some statistics, uh, bring things into perspective for, for people. Um, this weekend, the, the honor of, of returning back to Arlington Cemetery, anytime I'm in that area, uh, anywhere close, yeah. I always make it a point to go by and visit others that are buried there. And this time I had a, a very unique opportunity that one of my former soldiers um, is the medical platoon sergeant, the old guard. So I was able to, uh, he was able to meet up with me and kind of give me a, uh, a firsthand tour and take me to some places that I didn't have never seen in the time in there and, and learn some facts that I didn't know about Arlington. Um mm-hmm. But we have the unique honor tonight of having um, two great American heroes on the hot wash with us. Um, and not only are they great American heroes, they're former pre- prisoners of war from the war, which that in of itself is amazing. And, and it's Hershey not the unforgotten war. It is the unforgotten war at all. Hershey is no, a recipient of the, the Medal of Honor. So I'm going to throw some numbers out there to put this into perspective for people that don't understand. I'm pretty sure that you'd be hard-pressed, well, maybe not in this day and age, but you'd still be hard-pressed to find uh, citizens who don't know what the Medal of Honor is or what it means. I run into them all the time. Quoting some statistics, and I'm taking these statistics uh, solely of – the Medal of Honor uh, Society organization's website. Um, 
there have only been a total of 3,498 awards of the Medal of Honor. In those 3,498, there are 74 living recipients that are still alive. There have been 19 double recipients of the Medal of Honor. Yes. And to put that into perspective, Arlington Cemetery is our most hallowed grounds in the United States of America. That's where we lay to final rest our sons and daughters who have given their life for our country, not only in that graveyard, but in graveyards across the United States of America. But when you ask yes. a, an American fighting man where the most hallowed grounds are, it's Arlington Cemetery. So to put this into perspective for you, there's approximately 440,000 American soldiers buried in Arlington Cemetery or American fighting men and women. Right, right. When you think about just the graves alone, there are many Medal of Honor recipients buried there. But just if you look at those odds of just 440,000 of our fighting men and women there, and you look at there have only been 3,498 awards of the Medal of Honor, and 74 of those icons, because that's what you individuals are, your heroes and your icons, your American icons, are still with us. It's so important, and I said this when we interviewed Sergeant Major Anello, to hear firsthand Sergeant Major and to hear your story firsthand, Hershey, that is something that to, to live on the heroics that were performed by you and your fellow fighting men during the Korean War, that's something that we need to make sure that future generations know your story. And well, it's just such an honor to have you guys here sharing your story with us. I appreciate you having us on your show. But I would also like to add that we need to teach the young ones that so many of our young men and women have given their lives defending this country, and they should always be remembered for what they did, what their services did for our country. Indeed. Yeah, we can never forget. We can never forget. And for the loved ones that are still out, like my uh, my sister Merle, who is uh, on uh, a ship right now, right outside of, yeah, so she's uh, still active in the Navy. Yep. You know, the Korean War, Hershey and, go ahead, Alex, please. I was going to say the Korean War sent a message to the communist Russia and China that the free world under the U.S. leadership would no longer tolerate community uh, military takeovers of free nations. Because of that, they were able to uh, thwart surprise attacks from Japan, Taiwan, and Western Europe. And it ensured that, you know, uh, Pyongyang uh, would not rule all of all of Korea and uh, ensured North uh, the nuclear armed dictatorship. Uh, they just denied them of the nuclear power and the resources. 
But I wanted to get your take because I know Joe is always reading the news and Hershey and all of us. What do you guys think about the current situation with North Korea? Can you hear? I think I'm just at the decibel where you guys can't hear me. Uh, can you hear her? You know what I mean? It's okay. That's that, that, like, when I talk to Hershey, it's the same. Um, now, I was just going to get your take, you know, from the past Korean War to the current situation with North Korea and the United States and South Korea. Uh, I, I'd like to say about the original Korean War, the the uh, the, uh, the guy that was running North Korea, uh, he was actually one of the uh, rebels that was fighting the, the the Japanese during the Second World War, and uh, mm-hmm. when they had the difficulty of, of who was going to be running South Korea, those that were against Sigma Rhee moved up to North, they took over. And, that was Kim uh, Jin, Kim Jong uh, uh, Un, I believe. Anyway, uh, he mm-hmm. was he, he was kind of a a rebel, but his son was kind of a little bit of a kook. Now his grandson is really a kook, so we're gonna have to mm-hmm. walk on that. With a bad haircut. What's that? I said with a really bad haircut. Oh, with a really bad. <laughs> I stole haircut, that from right. Jeff. <laughs> That's the kind of haircut we had back in the '30s. <laughs> the 30s want their yeah. hair cut back <laughs> Yeah, that was the style that a lot of people had in the 30s there. They cut them that short because they couldn't afford haircuts too often So they cut them short there oh. to make them last long Yeah huh. But uh, I'm a little worried about that uh, that wacko there in North Korea uh, mm-hmm. He's done a lot of crazy things in the last couple of years So uh, we're going to have to deal with him one way or another uh, if not within the dynasty they have up there now, because uh, it's a bad thing up there. The people are starving. About the only people that are getting any food are those that live in the Pyongyang area. All those people you see on TV, those are puppets. The real people that are out in the country, including their armed forces, not being paid and they're starving. Uh, they're stealing food off the farmers. So uh, mm-hmm. he's got to be replaced one way or another. Yeah. I definitely um go ahead, please. Can you hear Hershey? Oh. I don't think you can hear Hershey. What's beating me to death, I'm gonna say this because it's funny. So I, I think uh it, Hershey, you and Sergeant Major uh, have have been around the block long enough that you have, you have lost the decibel of hearing when women talk. Is that that's what I'm, I think is happening here, right? That decibel, <laughs> and the frequency that women talk, and that's why you can't hear Alex. It's Hershey great. I, I can't wait to have selective hearing. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to say that, Alex. It's okay. I love you. <laughs> But it's nice to hear your voice, so, Alex. Yeah, likewise, I miss you guys. Um, I do want to say that um, we are all going to be skydiving uh, June the 20th, and uh, 
Hershey, if you could touch on the significance of June the 20th, speaking of women. Hello? Hershey, did, did, did you hear that? What's that? I didn't, you know, I didn't hear all of it. Did you hear Hershey? Did you hear Hershey? Not all of it. Okay. So uh, Alex, Alex asked, um, or Alex made the statement that that we're all going to be uh, skydiving on June 20th uh, this coming year uh, out at Fort Bragg, and uh, and this was something that you've wanted to do for a long time. And I just wanted to, Alex wanted you to just kind of explain to the audience a little bit of why why we're going to do it on June 20th and the, why why that's such a significant day for you. Well, you know, well you know um, when I was taking basic when I was taking basic training in World War II. Can yeah, okay, we can hear you loud and clear. Can you hear me all right? Uh, your when father. Taking, when I was taking basic, basic training. I can't hear him. No, I don't no, can't hear you now. Yeah. Hey, oh. we all have selective hearing. Oh. Yeah, Percy? What? Okay. Oh. Uh, Hershey, you're holding the phone. You're putting a mute. The mute. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't even know how to use these. I don't know how to use these new phones. <laughs> you and me but, both, uh, Hershey. You and me both. But uh, what I was saying that um, after I'd finished my first basic training in camp blinding. Uh, my buddy and I said, uh, let's join the paratroopers uh, jump school and see if we can become uh, jumpers. And uh, we did. But they took him. And then they said, uh, I would never come down with the suit. So uh, they, <laughs> I, I cannot jump. <laughs> and, uh, and that's been you with were me showing all them. That's not true. <laughs> and I said that when Alex and uh, when Alex and um, uh, told me about this jumping, I said I would like to because uh, I just wanted to see how it was really to jump out of an airplane. I'm looking forward to it. So who is supposed to scream like a little girl? Ken. <laughs> He's letting us screaming like a little girl, and we're going to do the tr- – his wife is going to do the trust ball at the bottom of the drop zone because she doesn't want to jump. Mm-hmm. She's going to pretend to trust ball him and catch him in the air. Mm-hmm. So, Hershey, uh, what, I don't think uh, you heard Alex when she said this, wanted to, to catch it, it maybe I wasn't paying attention. Uh what is the significance of June twentieth? Why are why are we gonna conduct that skydive on the twentieth of June? Well that was the um, wedding anniversary of my wife and I for sixty six half years and I wanted to do it on that day. Mm-hmm. Can I jump in here for a minute? Uh 
Of course. My anniversary anniversary is the 19th of June. Hershey's anniversary is the 20th. And Jerry Murphy's anniversary was the 21st. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's awesome. (laughs) That's awesome. So I have it on good faith, uh, Sergeant Major and uh, Hershey, that uh, there's going to be quite a few individuals uh, who are going to be there to share in that experience with you. And uh, Sergeant Major, just like I promised, uh, we'll definitely have a a good bottle of Kentucky bourbon there waiting on the drop zone for you, uh, for you and Hershey. (laughs) Might need it. (laughs) Strictly strictly for medicinal purposes. I forgot to mention, I don't know if you fellows have heard, uh, the the fellows at United Studios that are filming the uh, series on the Medal of Honor recipients, they indicated they wanted to come there to film it. Have you guys heard anything? Not yet. No, not yet, but let us follow up. Um, yeah, yep. we'll definitely follow up on that. Okay, good deal, yep. yeah. <laughs> so, Hershey, I have, to, I have to tell you, when I was putting together the um, – presentation to uh you know the advertisement to let people know that you guys were going to be on the radio tonight um your granddaughter uh, i reached out to her to get some some pictures from her to post on there and she sent me some pictures and uh oh. you know I, I told her i hadn't had the opportunity or the pleasure to meet you yet but i was going to meet you uh in june uh, 20th when we were going skydiving and she sent me back a, a message on facebook with large question marks skydiving and I said, yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Oopsies. <laughs> so you That's might get a phone call from your granddaughter. <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know that we're going to be in good hands, so I'm not worried a bit. Absolutely. Yeah. That's right. It's going to be uh, Greg Windemiller. Uh-huh. It was, he's uh, a previous Golden Knight. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I have some... I have complete faith in those men there. Mm-hmm. Uh, besides yeah, that, the uh, Hershey, the CJ that? said he's going to be standing on the landing zone with a bottle of Kentucky bourbon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fine, with, fine with me. We're, we're going to find a way for that bottle to, to make it down in flight. <laughs> Uh, no, really, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask. Um, we talked a little bit, and Alex touched on what your guys' thoughts were on uh, the current threats with uh, with North Korea. Um, I want to kind of ask you guys because. You've been at the risk of sounding, and it's not disrespectful, Sergeant Major. You know that, um, but you've you've been through so much and been around so long. I'd like to know what your perspective, Sergeant Major and Hershey, is on um, the current administration and how things are going right now. Um, from the years of wisdom and how you guys have have watched things unfold through so many presidents, um, you know, give us the world according to us, you know, Sergeant Major and the world according to Hershey. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Joel? Go ahead, Hershey. Yes? You want me to go first? 
Yes, please. Sir. Sure, please. Oh, okay. Well, I'd seen uh, and been around uh, where our military happened to be, and um, I know that we have very patriotic and young men and women throughout the world to protect us. And I know North Korea, but I feel that uh, can negotiate any come to any kind of a agreement with the uh, madman. It would be much better. It would be it would save a lot of lives. But uh, it, it's going to take a lot of diplomacy to uh, even get him to talk. I, I believe I, I just you can't uh, really uh, under overestimate him because he is a madman. Mm-hmm. We have to be very. We should. We should be very careful. We should negotiate first. Something's wrong. To hit it again. Okay. I hit it again. Yeah. Hershey hit the mute button again. <laughs> I have something important to say, mute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. And the secret is mute. <laughs> yeah. If I could put my two cents in on that uh, question, at uh, CJ. Uh, Absolutely. I think the last eight years, the last eight years has decimated our armed forces. That uh, we were weaker now than we were before the Second World War, and that in itself says a lot. Um, hopefully, mm-hmm. the new administration is going to rebuild our military, uh, not only our military, but uh, to get our references overseas. Uh, with our allies and uh, also our potential enemies, that uh, we mean what we say and we're going to back up what we say. And I'm happy to see this. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I echo that uh, 100%, Sergeant Major. Uh, but at, uh, in previous episodes, um, when I was serving and I was on active duty uh, and I didn't have uh, my speech, um, I always supported the office of the president um, because that was my commander in chief. Uh, My personal beliefs uh, or thoughts, I didn't voice them because that was not my uh, place and it was not my position. And I did not have the right to voice um, personal opinions. Now that I am retired, I have my free speech back, um, and I won't bash uh, former presidents of the United States, but I will say that first time in a very long time, uh, I actually feel like uh, we have a commander-in-chief in office who absolutely is not going to tolerate anyone messing with the United States. Uh, and I said this mm-hmm. before, of uh, you know, I feel that same that same sense of pride and that same um, 
I won't say lack of concern, but knowing that it's going to be taken care of. Um, and, and I know, you know, I, I almost put that up against how it was when President Ronald Reagan was in office. Um, and I've spoken mm-hmm. about it before, you know, when Gaddafi pulled what he pulled, uh, President Reagan told him, if you mess with us, we're going to destroy you. And uh, Gaddafi showed, showed his rear end, and President Reagan mm-hmm. showed him he meant business. And uh, yep. that's it's a nice feeling to know we have someone who is not afraid to do that. Absolutely. Uh, I'm yep. going to go out. Well, a, I'm going to go out on a limb, and uh, I'm going to bash the previous administration. Uh, I think they were bad for the country. I think they were bad for the economy, and I think they were extremely bad for our military and our foreign relations. I said it, mm-hmm. and I'm going to stick by it. Well, we were definitely were not. We're, we were not prepared to fight a war in Korea when the war started in 19, June of 1950. Mm-hmm. We were under-equipped, undermanned, I mean, and not trained properly. So we've got a long ways to go. Yeah. And hopefully, right. hopefully we've centered. learned from our mistakes. By uh, not electing really weak leaders, <laughs> yeah, that make you feel bad for being American, for make you for for allowing people to desecrate the flag. And you know that that also goes along with our police force, the men in blue. Uh, they were mm-hmm. denigrated during that last administration. Uh, they did more to hurt our police forces throughout the United States than any other administration mm-hmm. in history. So I, I'm glad that they were going to have a new uh, a new leader in the White House uh, who's going to bring them back up to power again so that they're on the table of respect once again. Absolutely. And I think uh, it goes without saying, you know, I'm I'm trying to learn to be <clears throat> definitely not change the tone of the hot wash. Um, because it's it's very much always going to be um, the hundred percent unadulterated truth. I'm just trying to work on my delivery um, and not be quite as in people's faces as I have in the past. But I'm never going to stop giving the message, along with Jeff and uh, Alex. But I want to touch on something, Sergeant Major and and Hershey. Um, the current administration, our current Commander in Chief, the President of the United States, has recommended and nominated uh, a very phenomenal man to be the Secretary of the Army. Um, his nomination for the Secretary of the Army is uh, Tennessee State Senator Dr. Mark Green. He's been a former guest mm-hmm. on this show with us and I. Um, he's a phenomenal man, a phenomenal leader. He's a former West Point graduate, uh, former infantry officer uh, who's graduated Ranger School, went on and became a doctor, became a flight surgeon, became a, a special operations uh, soldier, special operations flight surgeon. And uh, he was mm-hmm. actually part of the crew uh, captured Saddam Hussein. Uh, he had the chance to interview slash, uh, I, I'll use the word interview, uh, Saddam Hussein for about six hours. And he wrote a book uh, on that. It's called A Night with Saddam. Um, since, pres- or since, President, uh, since President Trump dominated uh, Dr. Green, um, 
the left-wing liberals and the media uh, have come out of the woodwork looking for on on Dr. Green and looking for a way to tarnish his good name and, and character. And the only thing that they've been able to come up with is two things. Uh, a speech that he gave to a group in Chattanooga where he was discussing um, transgender um, and mm-hmm. he quoted uh, a medical um, for lack of better terms industry slash medical um, professionals mental health professionals and he quoted them as saying if you look it up transgender is a disease now that is not what Dr. Mark Green said he feels personally that was what he was quoting from mental health professionals so the LGBT community has jumped on the bandwagon uh, on that and he's also quoted uh, misquoted during an episode of the Hush where Alex and I interviewed him um, mm-hmm. the left wing and liberals uh, have misquoted him as saying transgender individuals are evil, just like ISIS is evil, and it's my job to crush evil. Okay, so I'm going to say this loud, proud, and unafraid. Dr. Mark Green has never referred to any member of the LGBT community, no member of the transgender community, as being evil or that it was his job to crush them. Dr. Mark Green is absolutely the best choice to uh, lead our country as the Secretary of the Army, and I will stand by that until my dying breath. Um, So there has been a lot of uh, outcry, public outcry, uh, to the Democrats uh, in Washington, D.C. to fight his nomination, and uh, he's currently waiting uh, confirmation from the Senate. And that is forthcoming. I will say right now, absolutely the that uh, Dr. Mark Green is going to back out and withdraw his name from the nomination. That is absolutely not true. That is a lie. He's going strong, mm-hmm. and he's going to go strong. And we will see Senator Mark Green as the Secretary of the Army. And he well, will make positive changes for our, for our Army. I, love I agree it. with you 100%. Uh, I heard that episode there, by the way, on the radio. I thought it was a great interview, and I like I like uh, Dr. Green. I think he'd make an outstanding Secretary of the Army. And the Democrats are up to their old tricks again. Uh, they, you know, the fake news. They throw it out there every day, but if you throw it out there often enough, you're going to have somebody believing that. And of course, when the Democrats throw it out, the other Democrats are going to agree with it. So I, I, I hated to uh, to bust out with that right in the middle of our, our airtime with, with you and Hershey, but it's something that needed to be said, and, and it means the world, our major, for uh, for Dr. Green to have your backing, uh, to have an old soldier's backing. And, uh, that is very important. Um, and what it's going to take is the veterans of America standing behind Dr. Green um, and showing him the support uh to defeat the left wing and defeat the Democrats in this anti-truth campaign and fake news that they're, they're putting out against him. All right. 
they seem to be having a uh, an assault on all of the conservatives. Uh, anybody that has a conservative uh, leaning, uh, these people are coming out of the woodworks. I call them cockroaches, coming out of the woodwork and attack, attacking them uh, with verbiage, whether it be the truth or not. And this is yeah. kind of disgusting. It is. It is. We're allowed to curse those little kids. What, Jeff? What do you have, brother? You've been kind of quiet. I'm going to give, give the mic to you. I yeah. think we've got a caller. I'm going to yeah. jump in the green room and uh, screen this caller. Okay. Are you well, trying while, to while we're for... Jeff? <laughs> Not me. Never. Uh, I don't have to try them on. I just own them. Um, Hershey, for for our listening audience. Uh, I've heard you tell this story several times. It's probably one of my favorite stories of all time. Um, you have mentioned your, that you were married, Terry, for 66 and a half years, and she was such a wonderful woman. Um, what was the secret to your, your long and happy marriage? Did you, did you really have to ask that, Jeff? <laughs> of course I do. I always do. Go ahead. Give the words of wisdom. I've been asked that uh, so many times, so I can't uh, ever forget it. And I tell the people that we go to a nice restaurant twice a week. We have a nice dinner by candlelight, listen to some soft music, and maybe dance a little. She goes Mm -hmm. Tuesdays and I go Fridays. <laughs> so that's my favorite of all time. That's my, my favorite of Hershey, all time. Uh, Was she jealous because you're a better dancer on Tuesdays than you are Thursdays? Hershey, Hershey and Sergeant Major, uh, we actually have a caller online uh, who would like to ask you guys some questions. Um, okay. So I'm going to put the microphone hot for them. We have Todd Capolis online with us. Welcome to the Hot Watch, Todd. Joe and Hershey, it's Todd from Minneapolis. How are you? Hi, Todd. How are you doing, my friend? Good. How are you? Fine. I just saw that you guys were on, so I wanted to call in and say hello, first of all, of course, and then for, I guess, everybody listening, if you really want an inspirational story and you want to read about two really good guys, these are the two guys to read about. Uh, They served with my grandpa in the Korean War, and we have, Joe and I especially, have had lots of conversations about... uh, the Korean War and my grandpa and his uh, role there and that kind of thing. So I will say that their friendship has been just uh, something tremendous to me. So I really appreciate them. And we met them back in, uh, what was it, last summer at the Medal of Honor Convention here in Minneapolis. So big deal for all of us here and very much uh, one of the highlights of our careers as law enforcement, um, getting to meet Joe and Hershey and all their comrades. So with that, I just wanted to ask you, go ahead, I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, no, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead, I was just going to ask, you guys travel the country, and you do obviously a lot of veteran-oriented stuff where you're at different events with veterans. What do you see as kind of some of the big gaps that the general public can feel in supporting the veterans? You know, there's a lot of – obviously, there's a big debt that's owed to people that put on the uniform and serve us and risk everything to uh, kind of keep our way of life here. So what do you see that kind of where the gaps are as you travel around the country is how the general public can support our veterans? Well, what I 
here more than I ever heard before is thanking you, thanking all the military for their services towards helping our country remain strong. And uh, Mm -hmm. that's great news to hear that. Todd, I I agree with Hershey on that. Uh, It seems to be uh, uh, almost every place we go now, if we're wearing a hat or something, it has reference to us being in the Korean War. Uh, People will Mm -hmm. come up there and thank us for our service. Uh, Little kids will will come up and thank us for our service at the urging of their parents. Uh, The one thing that I'm concerned about uh, is these bastions of education that we have uh, that are being... Uh, kids are being taught by these far left-leaning uh, professors, and I, I think we have a major problem there. Uh, but uh, this, I don't know what the answer to it is. It takes somebody smarter than me to come up with a solution to this. But thank you for asking. Mm-hmm. Well, again, it's uh, it's been a pleasure meeting both of you and communicating with both of you. So, and I know I speak for a lot of my brothers with the badges on up here that. It's one of the highlights of our, uh, you know, long careers that uh, we've got to meet you guys and your comrades there at the uh, uh, Medal of Honor. Oh, and we enjoy reading about you, reading your books and reading your stories and obviously staying in touch with you guys too. So uh, I know I speak for all of us when I say we really appreciate that and we obviously appreciate your service as well. But you provide a lot of inspiration to us here too. Uh, Joe, you kind of touched on a little bit with the kind of the anti-law enforcement thing. So it is good to have people that want to have us around and want to hang out with us and all that type of stuff. So we really appreciate that as well. I want to thank you for the service that you provide to our heroes, the Medal of Honor recipients, uh, not yes. only in Minnesota, mm-hmm. but uh, for the audience. Uh, uh, Todd went to Washington uh, during the inauguration to provide, provide security with, along with several other officers from Minnesota. Thank you, Todd. And thank you for your fellow yeah. police officers. Yeah, thank you for your service. Well, and Todd, always, this is CJ. Like that, Go ahead, Archie. I'm sorry, please. In Minneapolis for the great time we had. Well, it, was, it was definitely our pleasure. <laughs> Todd, I definitely. I, this is CJ. I want to say thank you for your service. Um, you know, unfortunately, we, we've kind of rolled back and. In, in, Hershey and, and Joe, both Sergeant Major, uh, touched on it. You know, something they didn't hear a lot when they came to the war was individuals thanking them from their, for their service, and it didn't happen, uh, especially not during the Vietnam War era. And unfortunately, we've got to a day and time now where people don't appreciate uh, our brothers in blue and the, the law enforcement officers. And regardless of what any uh, of, of the soldiers have done, we fight for freedom, but the the men in blue, the, the boys in blue, wearing that, walking that thin blue line, they they're the ones that keep our families and our wives and children safe here in the United States while the soldiers are out fighting the war. And so I want to say from the bottom of my heart, brother, thank you for what you do to protect America on the streets every day. Well, I appreciate Absolutely. that. It's, uh, I think it's the least we can, least we can do. Mm-hmm. And you do it. You do it with such honor and and such uh, courage in an environment that unfortunately does not appreciate um, the sacrifices that you and your families make as well. And and so you know, as military people, we were very grateful that 
that we know um, our families are being taken care of because of your brothers and sisters in uh, in blue. So um, I, I echo CJ's thanks for uh, for everything you do, Todd. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Thank you again, Todd. Thank you so much for calling in tonight. Really, thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for calling in, brother. Yep, thank you. So, Jeff, uh, Alex, uh, one of the things we talked about that we're definitely going to do every week now uh, is hit on the American lives who've been lost um, after our episodes uh, in the the days before leading up to our episodes. So we didn't have a, a hot wash last week. Um, so the, there's unfortunately been three names added to uh, the list of casualties um, since the episode of the hot wash. And I definitely want to hit on those names because that's something we said we're going to do and, and we will continue to do that. So I want to throw out the, and definitely take a moment, think about uh, the loss and the sacrifice uh, on April 8th, 2017, uh, Staff Sergeant Mark D. Alvar. Uh, member of the Special Forces community. Uh, He was a member of 1st Battalion, 7th Special Forces Group. He was killed in the Nangahar Mm -hmm. province of Afghanistan. On April 26th, we lost two Rangers, Sergeant Cameron Thomas, Sergeant Joshua Rogers, both killed uh, in the Nangahar, Southern Nangahar province in Afghanistan. So we definitely want to say that we will never forget our lives who have fallen, and we will definitely, in the future, take a moment to memorialize those brothers and their sacrifices for our nation. Just so, uh, ask us all to uh, participate in a moment of silence for them. definitely say that their sacrifices will never go forgotten and uh, we will carry on their memories and their legacy uh, for future citizens to remember them. So definitely want to uh, hit with uh, Hershey and Sergeant Major. What do you guys have planned for the near future other than jumping out of an airplane? (laughs) Well, uh, tomorrow we're headed to uh, Las Vegas. Uh, Hershey is planning on winning a million or two that he's going to share with me. Oh, <laughs> of course. Now, there's a group of uh, Korean War veterans from Hawaii that uh, like to come over to the mainland and celebrate their anniversary. So we hopefully have a good time joining them. So I, I have to ask you, um, Todd called in, and, and I've, I've seen it firsthand when the, the Medal of Honor Society came for their reunion in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, there's an immense um, law enforcement package that follows you guys around, and I, and I know it's not to protect because I think it's to keep you guys in line. Is that somewhere close to the truth there? Well, that applied to Hershey, but not to me. <laughs> oh, you are the good. You are the good looking one. I really hurt you. <laughs> oh boy. 
and I will. Well, we I know that Jeff, the, the Medal of Honor. I uh, say, say again, CJ. No, go ahead, Jeff, please. Okay, the uh, the Medal of Honor convention this year is going to be in Pueblo, Colorado, in September, and Hershey uh, and Joe will be there. Alex and I will be there, and CJ, you know, we're going to hijack you if we have to, but you you will be there Kidnap. too. And uh, <laughs> kidnap, thank you. And um, great, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna have a we're gonna have a great time. Uh, we got a couple of surprises, hopefully, uh, working on the, working on them actually tomorrow um, for uh, for everybody. But uh, it's going to be a great a great opportunity, um, you know, for uh, to show uh, to showcase the uh, the amazing men that are uh, that wear this. Uh, this this award that they so rightly deserve, but they share with uh, with all of us. Absolutely. Uh, I think that to those listening, uh, if you've never had the opportunity um, to meet a recipient of the the, the Medal of Honor, um, some of the best men you'll ever meet in your life. Um, they're down to earth. They love sharing their stories and and sharing the history of of our country. And I can tell you, if you ever have the opportunity to attend a Medal of Honor convention, uh, do not pass that up. Um, it's It will definitely go down as one of the most enjoyable times in my life that I spent um, supporting you guys for a week there in Louisville. And I wouldn't trade those, uh, those that time with you for, for anything in the world. Uh, it was a great time, and it was a great honor to, to share just – share the same oxygen or carbon dioxide uh, that was put off by you guys. So I definitely want to say that I can't wait to see you in June, uh, Sergeant Major and Hershey, and I'll definitely be looking forward to jumping out of that perfectly good airplane with you. And uh, I'm everything in the world not to miss uh, the Medal of Honor convention there in, in Colorado. Right. Well, I'd like to thank you for having us on the show. Hershey, I can tell you that uh, it's been a great honor to have you guys on the show, um, and I, I got to send a big thanks to Star Major Anello for uh, talking you into it, and Jeff Falkel and Alex Maltizo for uh, bringing bringing you guys onto the Hot Wash and, and into the Hot Wash family. Um, I, well, I'm definitely we definitely broke. Uh, yeah, that you. Hershey, you get to say that you were my first. Um, you're the first interview I've ever conducted uh, on on the hot wash with a Medal of Honor recipient. Hey, so I owe you a case of beer. <laughs> That's right. Don't forget. Yeah, um, uh, dog, dog tag brewery beer, right? <laughs> oh boy. So, Alex, uh, definitely I'd like for you to uh, touch on some of the stuff that's uh, coming up with Task Force Dagger. Uh, I understand we have an event going on this weekend with Task Force Dagger. Uh, so tell us a little bit about what's going on this weekend. Uh, actually, uh, Jeff and I are not going to go to the uh, Task Force Dagger event. However, uh, I always tell people to uh, go ahead and support Task Force Dagger. We will be um, at the gala. Uh, Jeff, you know more of the hard dates than I do. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, so this weekend there's an event in um, Statesville, North Carolina. Um, you know, just basically to introduce the, the people to 
um, the amazing work that Task Force Dagger does in taking care of our special operations uh, warriors and their families. Um, in um, we will we'll, we will be uh, there with uh, with a Task Force Dagger at Sophic in uh, in two weeks down in Tampa, and then on the 26th of May there will be a big event in uh, in Dallas, Texas. Um, a golf event where we are each each of the holes will honor uh, one of the fallen special operations um, warriors uh, from all branches of of SOCOM. So we we have uh, we'll be honoring uh, Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marine um, uh, killed in action uh, service members at at this event. Um, and then in uh, sometime in sometime in the fall, I can't remember the exact date. Yet uh, there will be a, a big gala event um, in, uh, in Dallas as well. Yeah, along with Dagger Dive. Dagger Dive is uh, right. Dagger, yeah. Sorry about tonight. that. Off to yeah. the nineteenth. Well, Jeff, yeah. Jeff, you and Alex, thank you for all you're doing, and what you're doing is great for the military people. I know they appreciate the least we can do. Yeah, yeah, you know, we, well, thank you for your friendship outside of your service. Thank you for your friendship and being a good example to the community and being an, a good example to the next generation of, of uh, people who will have to take the burden to ensure our freedom. Mm-hmm. Well, you and Joe. We love you, you long so time. Much. Thank you so much for all you've done. Mm-hmm. And all it's our pleasure. I, we can't thank you guys enough. And I thank all three of you, and especially CJ, for getting the word out to the people about what our veterans do. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Sergeant Major. And, and it's definitely an honor um, to, to put the word out our amazing veterans and, and what you guys have accomplished and the things that you guys continually accomplish. Uh, for our brother and sister veterans and give a quick shout out real quick uh, for those of you who maybe aren't familiar with the hot wash this might be the first time you've tuned in um, you've been listening to a, a live episode the hot wash tonight we had the distinct honor of having uh, command sergeant major retired joe anello and medal of honor recipient hiroshi hershey era uh, as our honored guests um, they've told us about their service to our nation during the Korean War. And these two individuals continually, on a daily basis, embody um, what it means to be resilient and what it means to be dignified and return with honor. These two individuals, mm-hmm. these two great gentlemen, embody that on a daily basis. One of the reasons that uh, we started the hot wash was a medium for us to reach out to fellow veterans, veterans who are suffering mm-hmm. with possibly post-traumatic stress, depression, anxiety, um, and feel like they have nowhere else to go. They have nowhere to turn. They feel like that maybe they've been through s- such traumatic experiences that they can't do anything with themselves. We wanted to start a program to reach out to our fellow veterans, not only veterans, but first responders. That goes for the law enforcement officers. Mm-hmm. Um, paramedics, mm-hmm. firefighters, and our civilian contractors who still fight uh, across the the pond. So this mm-hmm. this show is dedicated to our brothers and sisters, and it's here to 
for us to bring guests on uh, like Command Sergeant Major Anello and, and, and Hershey and show that regardless of what you've been through, regardless of how bad you think you've got it or have had it, um, your brothers and sisters have walked a mile, two miles, ten miles in your shoes. And in Hershey's case, he had to carry Joe Anello for ten miles. So they've been there. And they've done that. Mm-hmm. And today to tell their story. So don't ever feel like you're alone. You always have someone you can reach out to. And I can tell you personally 100% that you can reach out to myself, reach out to Jeff Falkel. You can reach out to Alex Maltizo at any time mm-hmm. if you feel like you're, mm-hmm. you're alone and you feel like you might make that fatal flaw of taking your life. And I'll say this, that it's a fix when a veteran or any individual takes their life, it, it does stop their grief. But what it doesn't stop is the grief and the hurt, heartache that their families and their friends are left with. So mm-hmm. that's what we want to stop is veterans and first responders taking their own life. It's a severe problem. It's the, the biggest enemy that we as American veterans face is veteran suicide. And that's what we're here to fight and to combat help. There's plenty of resources out there. There's plenty of organizations that are designed for us fellow veterans to give us support and to reach out to us. And I want to say that we represent, um, Alex and Jeff and I pride ourselves on bringing on individuals and organizations that we know are 100% vetted and they're 100% legit. And We've had some amazing guests on the Hot Wash, organizations that stand behind our men and women. And, you know, I want to mm-hmm. send a, a shout out to Task Force Dagger. does amazing things for our special operations and their families and Gold Star okay. families. I want to send a shout out to Horsepower Therapy, um, doing great things for our veterans who maybe aren't interested in shooting guns or fishing. Horsepower Therapy provides therapy to our veterans through horsepower, just like it says building uh, kick-ass muscle cars and racing them on a drag strip. Veteran Sportsman's Alliance. Uh, great. Go ahead, sir. I said, and my money, but my money's on Hershey. <laughs> <laughs> I hear, yeah, I might, we it might have to put that plug in there. So I'm thinking we might, you know, Veteran Sportsman's Alliance. Um, I've, I'm now an actor for them. And, Brett Johnson and Cheyenne Johnson over at Veterans Sportsman's Alliance are doing great things for our, our men and women of uh, the military, taking them on once a time hunting, fishing uh, activities and outdoor activities. But they've also decided to build a muscle car as well. So I'm thinking that maybe uh, it might be a little healthy competition to, to let Hershey pick whether he's going to get behind the wheel in a horsepower therapy muscle car or the Veterans Sportsman's Alliance muscle car and find a, a worthy competitor for him and, and put them on the drag strip. I think that would be phenomenal. That would be a good idea, actually. Drive it like an Asian? Sure. If you're not aware of Hershey, yeah, I've heard the stories about how you drive. Uh, Hershey is the it's reincarnation of Bonnie Oldfield. <laughs> Say again, Joe. Uh, Hershey is the reincarnation of Bonnie Oldfield. I don't know if you've heard it or not, but he was a big dragster back in the 20s and 30s. 
Joel, Actually, you know what? We we might we might be able we might be able to pull that off if it's up to Bannamere. <laughs> so he drives like he stole it. <laughs> I think that would be a really gear. good idea. First, you got one gear at ninety. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they they say you can drive your age, right? Yeah, there you go. Oh, hey. <laughs> don't don't encourage him, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> so I definitely uh, I don't want to forget uh, we had another great uh, group on the, the radio for last the few Foundation for Exceptional Warriors that's another great nonprofit organization we've had Carl Monger on um, from Gallant Few there's a, the list goes on and on but uh, definitely want to say there are resources out there for our veterans and I definitely would be remiss if, if I didn't mention um, it's our duty to continue the legacy of our our fallen brothers and sisters um but as veterans it's it's our to reach out to our gold star fathers our gold star mothers and our gold star family members and help them and be there for them and support them when they need support so i definitely want to say there's some great organizations out there as well that are wrapping their arms around these gold star families but we want to forget our gold star families as well so jeff i'd like to give you a second to, to maybe talk about some organizations that do great things for gold star families yeah i think uh we you know we we were honored to have michael reagan on um the show a couple of weeks couple of weeks ago and uh, his his foundation is called fallen heroes project and mike uh, basically gave up a very lucrative career as a an artist professional artist to draw portraits of the fallen and he's drawn over 4,500 portraits, uh, not only of, of, of American service members, but also service members. Uh, uh, we've done, he's done over 100 um, service members from Poland, one of our NATO allies, um, Brit- British, and Australian, and New Zealand uh, members who have all fallen, and uh, as well as law enforcement and and other other individuals who uh, um, who have who have paid the ultimate sacrifice, and and uh, all these portraits are done for free. Um, if you ever, if you have any questions about it, if you would like, if you are, uh, if you're listening tonight, and you you have a family member or you know someone who uh, who has fallen in, in the line of duty, uh, and you would like to get one of these portraits, please reach out to me through the through the radio, um, through the hot wash, and I will get you linked up with Michael Reagan because he is uh, he is truly an angel among us. Mm-hmm. I definitely uh, have to say that episode that we did with Mike Regan, um, so many responses and many um, messages came in um, thanking him for what he has done and what he continues to do for our fallen service members and their families. And got got the opportunity to speak um, with several of, of my fallen night soccer brothers, um, of their mothers, fathers, spouses, um, cherish that drawing of their their lost loved one um and it means so much to them having that drawing that drawing from mike regan so can't you can't say enough good things about the the work that that mike regan does it's definitely god's work and every uh every episode of our our radio show uh, i'm I'm sitting underneath the one he drew of chris
unfortunately, uh, we got about eight minutes left. You know, Hershey and uh, Sergeant Major, it's been an honor to have you guys on tonight. And I want to give you guys the opportunity to mention anything that you want to say or any shout-outs you want to give uh, while we're still on the air. I would like to say, I would like to say that. Hershey? No, you hit the button again, Hershey. No. <laughs> I love this. I hate to say this, but this is like an episode of, of Grumpy Old Men. <laughs> oh, no. It's, what's a. Jeff, what's the name of the Odd Couple? That's how they remind me of that. The old TV show, yeah, yeah, the Odd yeah. Couple. Felix, Felix and Oscar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, I would like to say one thing. Uh, you know, Hershey mentioned that just before he arrived in Italy, uh, the war was over. Uh, I think the big reason behind that is that the Germans heard that Hershey was coming over, and they said, oh, boy, they surrendered. Yeah, that's it. We're done. Stick a fork in us. Absolutely. <laughs> and again, Hershey was was a member of a very, very distinguished unit in World War II of, of mm-hmm. Japanese Americans who were awarded, I think there was, what, 16? 15, 16 of, of them were awarded the Medal of Honor for, for their heroic acts. Right. There were 20, 22 of Twenty-two. Wow, I didn't realize there was that many. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I want to remind everyone that uh, episodes of the Hot Wash are archived. You can go to uh, www.blogtalkradio.com and look for the Hot Wash. We're also available on iTunes. Just go to iTunes and type in the hot wash and it'll pull up the archived episodes of the show. So you can listen to them anytime you like and they're there uh, for your listening pleasure. And it's definitely an honor to be able to say that uh, we have uh, command sergeant major Anello and now uh, Hershey as guests on the show. And uh, this amazing interview with these two American heroes uh, is permanently saved uh, for future generations to listen to. And I can say that, uh, you know, when I was growing up as a kid, all I wanted to do was, was be a soldier. And it's the stories and the movies that I watched about individuals like Joe Anello and uh, Hershey that made me want to be a soldier and made me want to fight for our country. and our. So they are definitely true American heroes. And like I said, it's a true honor um, to be able to just share the airwaves with you guys tonight. And I can't wait to meet you in person. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you on the 20th of June. Yeah. Alex, are you joining us? I think I heard Hershey said, Alex, are you joining us? Yes, I'm actually, um, my soulmate and I are actually getting our uh, class A. (laughs) So hopefully I won't be little soon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Really, Joe and I are really looking forward to it. And I can't wait. Uh, that's my hometown mm-hmm. of Fayetteville. My father uh, retired Fort Bragg, North Carolina. So you get to meet the whole family. 
and my mother. Oh, great. Good, mm-hmm. good. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, she'll have some kimchi waiting for you guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not for me, for her, she. I'm down with Dave right, Joe? <laughs> I'm, I'll eat it with Hershey. I'm, I love the, the kimchi, so me and Hershey can take care of the, the kimchi. Okay, good. Yeah. Henry shows up. If Henry shows up, you guys may have a competition. Oh, that Henry, would be awesome. Henry, if Henry eats Henry more. Henry eats more kimchi than I, Koreans do. He loves the stuff. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, I, I didn't share this uh, earlier in the night, but I'll say it real quick. Uh, we got about two minutes left, but I, I wanted to say just to talk to you guys was amazing. But my first my first duty station uh, right out of basic training in AIT was uh, Korea. So that was my very first. Uh, and to know that I've uh, stomped on some of the same ground that you, you great gentlemen have been on uh, is an honor. And uh, it means the world to be able to listen to you guys tell your stories uh, about your experience so long ago uh, and, and know that I was actually there in those places you guys were at. That's amazing. Well, thank you very much. Sir. appreciate you saying that, CJ. And so, Joe, you're going to be our uh, our superstar uh, co- guest host, co- uh, co-star next week. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's what Jeff told me of a couple hours ago there. Uh, Jeff, you're going to have yeah, to school that's right. me. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, good deal. <laughs> just, just don't, just don't do anything I do, and you'll be fine. Oh my God, that yep. takes a lot of territory. <laughs> oh. That leaves you wide open. <laughs> as long as you don't wear white well, socks with your flip flops, you're good to go. But uh, you guys will be uh, interviewing Ruben El Jefe, right? Yeah, uh, Ruben. Ruben's a great guy. I think he'll be a good interviewee. I had breakfast with him his... this morning, by the way. That's right. Was yeah. it was it Cracker Barrel, our favorite? No, no, no. <laughs> it was uh, some uh, small restaurant that the locals eat in in Pueblo, and the food is really great there. Huh. We'll have to check it out next time. Yeah. I don't know the name of it, Alex, but I'll get it for you. Okay. Sounds good. We're about to close this episode out. Once again, like I said, you've been listening to an episode of the Hot Wash Live with Command Sergeant Retired Joe Anello and his best friend for life, uh, one of a, another great American hero, Medal of Honor recipient, Hiroshi, Hershey Mayamura. Did I say that correct, Hershey? As, clo- as close as a white boy from Kentucky can say it. Miyamura. <laughs> You have to give me a little credit for being the redneck. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely want to thank you guys for coming on the show tonight. It's it's been an honor. And uh, as always, I'll close this episode uh, with a very fitting song. We opened up uh, the episode tonight with the song Indestructible by Disturbed. And uh, we're going to close with a song by a country music artist named Miss Shana Jackman. She wrote this song. It's called We've Got Your Back, and it's about how the American, the back, uh, and supports the American fighting men and women. Once again, thanks for uh, coming on the Hot Wash. Thanks for listening in tonight. God bless America. God bless the USA. Night stalkers don't quit. Never, ever, ever. Never, ever, ever. God bless you, too.
when you stay. 